So today's reading is from Matthew 8, and it takes place after Jesus has been teaching his disciples up on the mountain. Then he comes down from the mountain, hits the ground running, it seems, as we read four stories about all kinds of people with different problems who have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. So Matthew 8, 1 to 17. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, loud crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth then Jesus said to the centurion go let it be done just as you believed it would and his servant was healed at that moment when Jesus came into Peter's house he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever he touched her hand And the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Carl Jung is a name that many people recognize today, and I know Anna does, and I'm glad Anna is here this morning. He was born 150 years ago, but his influence in the arenas of psychology and spirituality, his influence is greater than ever today. And his great contribution is the understanding of and the exploration of the unconscious. He would say that you have to go deep within your own heart deep within your own mind and be willing to face your shadows and your demons, your true self that is buried beneath all your protective barriers. And there you will find a person. You will find the real you. And you have a genuine chance at being satisfied in life with that discovery. You have a real chance at growing into who you were created to be. You might even be so stripped away of what is false that you encounter the divine. 
that the Spirit of God might actually speak to you and remake you and change you. Well, Young has had an influence on all of us, even if you don't recognize his name right away. If you've ever seen a therapist or a counselor, if you've ever taken the most remedial psychology class, if you have taken the Myers-Briggs personality test, and I think almost every person in North America has taken that one, then you have come into direct contact with Young. Maybe in another life, I would have been a Jungian analyst. I appreciate his work that much. And there is one concept of his that has had a profound impact on my life. It's a phrase he coined, though I didn't know it was his phrase when it was, was first shared with me 25 years ago by a friend. And that phrase is, the wounded healer, as I've already shared this morning. Young believed this, that the majority of people who go into healing professions do so because they have wounds themselves that they hope to be healed. And studies have proven as much. 80% of the people today who are doctors, nurses, counselors, therapists, social workers, clergy, mostly unconsciously chose their particular line of work because they themselves are seeking wholeness for themselves. For others to be sure, yes, but they're, they're after something deep inside themselves. They experienced abuse or they saw abuse. A loved one had a terrible illness or health diagnosis. Their well-being was threatened in some way. So what do they do? They go to work in these very arenas to fix things so no one has to suffer the way that they suffered and to fix themselves. That's my own experience. I share a little bit of my religious upbringing with folks, and I've done much of that over the years at Simple Faith and it was harsh and it was spiritually abusive. And the question is always put to me after I share something like that. How in the world did you become a pastor? Why didn't you just run from the church if that's the experience, experience you had? And I used to see it as a calling and it, it still is, I suppose. But what Young has taught me through good mentors and friends that so much of what I do, so much of what I am is the playing of this role as a wounded healer. I don't want anyone else to have inflicted upon them what was inflicted upon me. I try to help others as I heal and help myself. It has shaped me, my beliefs, my theology, my practices, my concepts of church, my concepts of God, and there's no way around it for me, and there's no way around it for any of you. You are shaped by your wounds made in the, into the image of who you are by the pains that you have suffered. And that's not, that's not fatalistic. It's an honest assessment. But from that place of honesty and confession and acknowledgement of your injuries and the deep way that they move you and make you, you can become a healer, a helper. It's like spiritual jujitsu. I'm not a jujitsu master, but I do know this about them. A jiu-jitsu master never attacks with force. He or she always takes the energy of the opponent that comes at them and uses it against them. The jiu-jitsu master always uses momentum. And that's really the choice before all of us. We take our hurts, we take what has wronged us in some way, and rather than directly fighting it, we go with it. And let the momentum of that carry us to a better and to a healing place. The wounded healer. 
in Christian parlance, the great example, the archetype, Young would call him, is Jesus. Did you hear the last verse read by Anna? After all these series series of healings, a leper and a Roman officer's servant and Simon Peter's mother-in-law and all these other people that gather at the house, Matthew quotes the Hebrew Scriptures by saying, this was to fill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Now this text from Isaiah and from its repetition in the New Testament is often misapplied to the point of malpractice. People are told, Jesus died on the cross for you and that means you can be healed of all your sicknesses if you just have enough faith. Implying, of course, that if you are not healed, you don't have enough faith or you didn't put enough zeros on the proper side of that decimal point when you mailed that check to the person making that promise to you. I say that very gingerly because in this world today we have all turned into televangelists. And even now we're going out. What's the world coming to? But listen, if every person who had genuine faith in Christ was healed, the hospitals would be cleaned out spick and span today. As of this morning, there are 125,000 coronavirus cases in the United States. Nearly 700,000 around the world. They would miraculously disappear if everybody had faith to be healed. And don't object by saying, well, all those people don't believe in Jesus. Well, after the first quarter million got up off their beds, the rest of them would. It's not a matter of having enough faith. If faith instantly removed sickness and suffering, I would not have officiated the 30 or so funerals I've had in this last year. And are we to believe that the people we love, the ones on our very prayer list right now, don't have faith? That's nonsense. The text is explicit about solidarity. Jesus took up our infirmities. He bore our diseases. He took them upon Himself. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you is the way that Simon Peter puts it in his first letter. But in this case, what we see is Jesus actively taking troubles onto His own back, joining us in our suffering. Jesus is touched by our wounds and He is willing to touch them, to heal them. In every case we read about today, that is what you see and what you heard. Jesus reached out and touched the leper. Unheard of. Religiously and socially illegal, actually. Talk about social distancing. Lepers were in colonies to themselves, far away from proper society. They were outcasts. Jesus touched them. And then the Roman officer. This was the enemy. The Romans were the invading, occupying empire, crushing Israel beneath their boots. Jesus was willing to travel to where this officer's servant was sick. He didn't have to. With just a word, the servant was made well, but he was willing to go and to touch. And then Simon Peter's mother, he touched her, and the fever left her. And this is followed by countless cases of the sick and the afflicted who come to Jesus, and he heals them. Healing begins with a touch, being touched in our hearts and then reaching out to touch the person who is suffering. Now, what does this mean for us today? Does it mean to break social distancing and start slapping high fives and giving wet kisses and bear hugs? No, no, no. No, Garrett, no. Not yet. You aren't Jesus. You aren't immune. Follow the best medical advice 
from the best medical experts. But there are those 18 million people, 18 million health care workers in this country, and it is their job to touch the sick. Why do they do that? For a paycheck? Not really. It's their calling? Some would say absolutely so. But the majority do this work because they have been up close and personal to suffering themselves. They have taken infirmity and disease and hurt into themselves somewhere along the way. And rather than fighting against that energy, they are using it as momentum to heal themselves, to heal others, and in my sermon notes, Sarah Ann, to heal the world. These are people like our own B.J. Fontaine, who is the director of nursing at Sacred Heart Hospital right here in Walton County. Dr. Patsy Vargo, upon moving to this community, envisioned a free health clinic, and the Point Washington Health Clinic was born. And nurse practitioner Hillary Glenn oversees that work, able even now to test for the coronavirus. People like my wife, Cindy, Cindy's sister, Amy, and her husband, Doug. Amy is a neonatal care nurse, and Doug is a respiratory therapist in the Atlanta area. People in our church like Dr. Corey Tinker, Dr. Mark Byard, Dan Palladino, and other healthcare pro providers in our congregation. And don't forget Frank Brown and Joe Cope, who keep the pharmaceuticals and the surgical implements on the ready, and tons more in your families. They are all in service to the greater community, touched within by their own sense of calling, maybe even their own woundedness, and then reaching out to touch others in need of healing. I know that Mr. Rogers is all the rage right now, or at least the movie portraying his life, the one starring Tom Hanks, and I hear that Tom is recovering well from his coronavirus uh, sickness, thank God. Don't take Tom Hanks away from us. I, uh, I just loved Fred Rogers when I was a kid. He came on, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood came on public television between Sesame Street and The Electric Company. And uh, I loved all of, all of those. Now, Sesame Street and the Electric Company were loud and colorful and multilingual and, and, and multicultural and just so much going on. And then in between them, you had this white, middle-aged, graying, skinny man come in off the street into his house and take off his suitcase, suit, suit coat and put on his red Kerrigan sweater and take off his wingtips and put on his little slipper shoes. By the way, we have no shoes here today. Uh, he was subtle, he was sweet, and then he would sing that song of his own creation. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. And while we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? All right, see the four people in this room know that song. Hello, neighbor, he would say. Fred Rogers was the real deal behind all of those puppets and those characters that visited with him in his neighborhood of make-believe. He was creative. He was a Presbyterian minister with an advanced degree in child development. He went into television because, quote, I hated it so much. And I thought there should be some way of using this fabulous new instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. And one thing I remember him saying, and it's often quoted now, years later, is something his mother told him when he saw something scary in the news when he was a child. She would say to him, always look for the helpers. 
you will always find people who are trying to help. And he added, to this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words and I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many doctors and nurses, police and firemen, volunteers, neighbors and friends who are ready to jump in to help when things go wrong. I would never correct the Reverend Fred Rogers, but I will add something to what he said. Always look for the helpers, yes. Likewise, always look for the healers. Always look for the healers. Those willing to enter the pain, enter the suffering, enter the affliction, and bear our diseases. Those willing to be touched and to touch because there can be no recovery without human contact. Returning to Jesus, the writer of Hebrews spoke this way about him. Since we have Jesus who has ascended into heaven, let us hold firmly to our faith, for he is able to empathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted just as we are. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is solidarity. That is joining us in our troubles. That is hope, and that is where healing begins. So, in the spirit of giving us all something to do, because having something to do is powerful, rather than sitting around watching reruns on television, I want you to make another list. Now, two weeks ago, I asked you to make a list. Make a list of five, six, ten people that you are going to keep check on over the weeks to come. And I said two weeks ago, that this is going to last longer than just two weeks. And now we know that for certain. But I want you to make another list. Keep checking on those people, but make this list. Make a list of people you know who are healers. Look for the healers. Who do you know? Your own doctor? Your niece who is a nurse? A young man who maybe it's a friend of someone you went to school with who is in medical school, a counselor or a therapist who got you or a loved one through a tough time, a firefighter, an EMT, a police officer, the case manager where your mom or dad is in assisted living, the tech who takes your blood pressure when you visit the doctor. They are all caring for the sick. They are caring for the hurting, sometimes caring for the dying. And if their workload is manageable where they serve, they certainly know someone whose workload is unmanageable because they went to medical school or training with someone who is now in New York or in South Florida or who is in Washington or maybe in Italy, and that person is overwhelmed. And the people that we know, I know for a fact in speaking to some of them this week, carry with them this burden, and they wonder, will I have to face the same kind of challenges that my peers are facing somewhere else and am I up to that you might end up with only one person on your list though I gave you almost a dozen names earlier if you rewind this you'll find those but no matter write them a line send a card a text a call a properly sanitized and safe and appropriate care package they have held nothing back they are serving touching healing right now they are the very best among us but they are not superheroes. They aren't bulletproof. They're not virus-proof. 
They need all the support that they can get while they support the sick. Reach out to them, encourage them, pray for them. Don't forget them behind those masks and behind those gowns and behind that protective gear, if they're fortunate enough to have such things, are susceptible, frail, limited people just like me and just like you. They have their own fears. They have their own troubles. They have their own wounds, but they go to work every day attempting to heal the wounds of others to heal the world. So when you finish watching this in a few minutes, finish listening to this later, whether it be live or much, much later, blow up their phones. Find a writing pad and an envelope and a stamp. Send an email. Be intentional. Don't assume that they are okay and nothing is bothering them yet or it's not that bad where they are. Do it now. You can't reach out and touch and heal the sick, but you can support those who are doing that. You can't do what Jesus did and with just a single word restore someone's health, but you can show the compassion of Jesus just the same. We can all do that. And if you are one of those healthcare providers, know that we love you and we are with you. Don't fight those wounds and limitations that you feel. Let that energy and momentum carry you into the world as you heal the world and heal others. And for those of you who are healthcare providers, I offer this prayer. It is adapted from Rabbi Michael Goldstein, chaplain at St. Luke's Medical Center in Houston, Texas. We thank you, God, for the skill, care, and concern of the many around us who have dedicated themselves to health and to healing. It is they who respond to calls for help. It is they who will be with patients and their families and friends throughout the difficult times ahead. Grant wisdom, patience, and understanding to them Bless the work of their hands and their hearts that their labors may not be in vain. May you, O Holy One, bring restoration by strengthening all those engaged in the healing of body and spirit. Make them worthy partners of your abiding presence. And as your helpers, may they find a way to renew lives that they and all whom they encounter will know the healing of your loving presence. And we all say this together. Amen.